All right, what if there was someone who wanted to help you find a job? Choose Express Employment Professionals, and that is exactly what you're going to get. They can help you find work in any industry. With just one interview at Express, you have a connection to endless jobs. Whether you want a contract job, a new full-time role, or a summer job, choose Express Employment Professionals. Express has more than 860 locally owned locations and no fees for job seekers. Visit ExpressPros.com today to find a location near you. Summer is upon us, and whatever you have going on, a vacation, a staycation, a summer wedding, well, Macy's has you covered. If you need summer dresses, matching sets, volume sleeve tops, wedges, straw-crafted bags, I mean, really, they have what you need head to toe. I'm talking Levi's, Dolce Vita, Lacoste, and more. So shop summer must-haves at Macy's. Go to Macy's.com slash style. Again, that's Macy's.com slash style. All summer, the best time of the year usually doesn't come with a great deal. Soaring temperatures come with soaring prices. But what if there was another way? With IKEA, your summer plans can last longer than two weeks of vacation and be more affordable. At IKEA, everyone can have lounge chair access. No reservations needed. From affordable outdoor furniture to stylish accessories, They have all of the essentials that you need to soak up summer in style, no matter the size of your space. Start planning a better summer with IKEA. It's your outdoor dreams inside your budget. Something I for sure love having in my home is super clean countertops. And I love when it smells good too. So you can bring the vacation vibes to your home with coconut scented Clorox Sentiva. It smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy with a refreshing scent that'll transform your space into a tropical island retreat and give you a powerful clean. No plane ticket required. Unleash your self-expression with the enchanting coconut fragrance of Clorox Sentiva. You can get yours at a nearby retail store, also available in grapefruit or lavender scents. Life ain't always pretty, but hey, it's pretty beautiful things. Laugh a little more things. Tight, tighten up your core things. Said EK, you're kicking it with four things. With Amy Brown. Happy Thursday, everybody. Hope you're having a great week. Uh, today, we've got Glennon Doyle on the podcast. I know a lot of you are familiar with her, but just in case you're not, she is the author of Untamed, probably a book that you've seen posted on Instagram a lot the last several months, but it's a book that came out earlier this year that I actually just finished. And Glennon is also the author of the number one New York Times bestseller, Love Warrior, which is a book that I read a couple of years ago. And she's written another one too called Carry On Warrior. I heads up, haven't read that one, but maybe some of you have, or you want to look into it, but she's an activist. Uh, She's the founder of Together Rising, which is an all-woman-led nonprofit that has raised over $25 million for women, family, and children in crisis, which is pretty incredible. Just a heads up on our conversation, we taped it on Zoom, so the audio will sound a little bit different, but the four things that we get into are feeling your feelings, trusting yourself, mom memos that we've all gotten, and you don't even have to be a mom to get a memo of how you 
think you're supposed to live your life, which isn't in alignment with how you personally feel you should live your life. But you'll you'll hear that in the conversation. And then the last thing we get into is gratitude. And then Glennon answered a email from one of you guys about regret. So I hope you enjoy today's episode. And I've got Glennon's books posted up on my Amazon page. If you want to check those out, you can just go to radioamy.com, scroll down, you'll see Amy's favorite Amazon things. If you click that, it has her books. It's, it's under books and inspiration, but I also have beauty things, get a lot of questions about the eye patches that I wear or the air fryer that I cook with. All that's up on my Amazon page. And then also I teased on Instagram that we might have some four things pullovers coming out this Friday, which would be tomorrow, the 21st, but we've had to push that a week. So if you've been waiting, which I know a lot of you have, which is amazing. And we appreciate the support to customize a four things pullover. You got to wait until Friday, the 28th. So August 28th, those will be up for a limited time and you can pick out your four things and we can throw them on a pullover for yourself or if you want to make a gift for somebody. So be ready for that coming at you from Espoir. And then, uh, yeah, I think that's all the housekeeping I got for you. Um, Oh, no, it's not. Because speaking of four things, we finally put our teacher four things on a t-shirt. Because you ask, you shall receive. And I know a lot of you are teachers and we had it in a sweatshirt form and we have it on a tote, but you really wanted a t-shirt. So it says caffeinate, educate, sleep, repeat, and it's on a gray tee. So if you're a mom listening and you've got kids, this could be a great gift for the teacher in your life. Or if you're a teacher and you want to snag one for yourself or your best friend as a teacher or your sister or your mom could be a great little gift. And again, you can find those at radioemmy.com or fourthings.com. And I just appreciate y'all so much being a part of our Four Things community and all that we get to do um, and the support that it spreads to people, which the customized pullover is going to go towards helping our friends down in Haiti at My Life Speaks, which they are a special needs home for for families and they don't call themselves an orphanage because they they've got it's a home that, that they're not raising them that way they're raising uh families so uh more details to come about them mike the founder has been on the podcast before and he is absolutely awesome but they've hit some rough times because of covid giving is down so we're going to try to make up for some of that by uh you know sending some espoir love their way. So just appreciate y'all. And I guess with all that said, I'll get into my chat with Glennon. Here you go. First thing. That's right. Ah. So Glennon, I thought we would start today with feelings. And a lot of my listeners have listened to our Outweigh series within the podcast, which is about disordered eating and eating disorders. Because I mean, the reason why we called it Outweigh is because a life without disordered eating outweighs everything. Mm -hmm. And as I've been in recovery for about a year and a half, and it's not like all the feelings started coming up right away, Mm -hmm. but I'm starting to feel now. Mm -hmm. And I know that you have a lot of insight on this given your history. So if you just want to share with us some stuff from your past and then kind of what we do at times 
to numb our feelings and how we handle them when they come up. Yeah. So my goodness, I also am in recovery from eating disorder. So I became bulimic when I was 10 years old and then never got to the root of things. And so as so often happens, my eating disorder became alcoholism and then alcoholism became everything. And I was real sick until I turned 25 and got sober. And the thing that happens when you've been an addict for a long time is that everybody in your life wants you to get sober, right? Because you're like ruining everyone's lives, okay? So they accidentally convince you that sobriety or recovery is like the promised land, okay? So you start thinking, okay, so my problem is the addiction. And once I kick the addiction, then everything will be perfect and I'll be happy and everything will be wonderful, okay? So that is not my experience. When I got sober, it was after having spent 15 years, all of my formative years, for as long as I could remember being human, what I did is every time my big feelings swelled up inside of me, I just shoved them down, right? So that is literally how I dealt with the pain of being human, is that I would start to feel, Pema Shadron calls it the hot loneliness, whatever it is at the moment that's making you feel the pain of being human, I would just use food or booze to get rid of it, okay? To numb it out. And so what happens when you stop using that thing is it's seriously like defrosting, right? Like it's like if you're frostbitten and then you're slowly defrosting and all the feeling is coming back to you, it is so painful, right? Because you're feeling for the first time in a long time. And it's also very panic inducing because you think, wait a minute, I thought my problem was the addiction and I thought I was going to be happy now, but now things are worse than ever, right? So I started going to recovery meetings in early sobriety and I'll never forget being at my fifth recovery meeting and I finally got brave enough to speak and I stood up and I said, my name is Glennon, I've been sober for yada yada and I'm scared to death because I always thought that my problem was the booze and the food, but now I think that maybe my problem was underneath the booze and the food. Like maybe my problem was actually me because I've stopped drinking and I've stopped binging and I still, I feel worse than ever. And I'm wondering if everyone else has a secret to life that I don't have because it feels like being human is harder for me than it looks like it is for everyone else. And I sat down. So this woman comes up to me after the meeting and she sits down and she says, honey, I just want to tell you something that someone told me in early recovery, and that is this. Things are really hard for you right now, not because you're doing them wrong, but because you're finally doing life right, right? Because you're finally feeling all of your feelings. And hard feelings are really, really hard to feel, which is why so few people do it. The point of life is that being human is not about feeling happy. Being human is about feeling everything right? Even the hard feelings, because all feelings are for feeling. This sounds like basic information, but it blew my mind, okay? Because I grew up in a family and in a culture that teaches us that happiness is success, right? That happiness and gratitude and joy are for feeling and everything else like fear and anger and shame and rage and doubt that those are for numbing and deflecting, right? And denying. And so, That is the day of my early recovery that I made sort of a vow to myself that, okay, I'm going to reject the idea that I'm supposed to be happy all the time. And I'm going to embrace the idea that I'm supposed to feel however the hell I feel at any given time. And I'm going to insist on my right to feel everything, even if it makes me a little less pleasant, 
even if it makes me a little less productive. And that has been the key to my sobriety in my life is just giving myself permission to feel like shit when I feel like shit and letting it come and letting it go and not grabbing for whatever it is in my view to numb it out, right? Just, just understanding that whatever pain is here right now, it will not kill me. And in fact, usually whatever we're meant to be next Whatever we need to use, the fuel we need to use to become the people we're meant to be next is often inside the pain of now, right? So when we numb it out, we miss what's next. I was going to say, I've heard you say before, uh, feelings are fuel. Mm -hmm. They're also instructive. I mean, when we buy into this idea from our culture that we're not supposed to feel anger, that we're not supposed to feel heartbreak, that we're not supposed to feel envy, all of it, we miss out on knowing ourselves because actually what makes us angry is pointing us towards what change we're supposed to be making in the world. And what breaks our heart is one of the greatest clues of our life, right? When we go towards the people who are doing the same world-changing work to heal the world about the thing that breaks our heart, we find our purpose, right? Envy, oh my God, envy is one of my favorite emotions. It used to be my least favorite. Well, because you're only envious of people who are doing the kind of work in the world that you should be doing. Like when I was drinking all the time, if anybody handed me a book that was written by a woman that was beautiful, I would not read it. I could not read it. It it felt to me like looking directly into the sun. It would just burn, right? And that is because there was a part of me that knew that a braver, healthier version of myself could do that right? And there's nothing more painful than watching somebody do what you were meant to do, but you're not doing. So when we study envy, when we sit with it, let it work in us, let it instruct us instead of deflecting and pretending like we don't have it or doing the thing where we just turn it into snark. Yeah. We're jealous of somebody. So we're like, I never liked her anyway. I do that all the time. (laughs) It's, it's, It's admiration matched with scarcity. It's when we admire somebody, but we believe that there's not enough for all of us, right? So What I have learned is that when I sit with my envy, it's almost always pointing me right towards something that I believe deeply in my bones that I was meant to do. I need to probably spend time listening to that Mm -hmm. and listening to feelings. That part's new. Feeling the feelings and addressing the feelings, sitting with the feelings and now listening, but listening in particular to envy because I don't know that I've spent much time with that other than maybe just something snarky within myself, not to anyone. I wouldn't want to be rude or hurt somebody's feelings. But if I really sat with it and evaluated, I wonder where the roots would be. And maybe instead of just, I think we're taught to reject it. We're taught to pretend we're not having it. We're taught we're not supposed to have it. So the second we feel it, we're like, oh, oh." we just don't even let ourselves. But actually it's totally a normal human feeling, right? The only people, there's only two types of people. There's people that admit they're envious sometimes, and then there's liars, right? Like we're all envious sometimes. So the fact that it's there at all means it's worth exploring. Second thing. Okay, the next thing I want to get into is a touch treat. Explain to people what that is. I, my husband was in the Air Force for 12 years, and I was talking to him one time about if we're lost in the wild and my son, we were hiking in Colorado and my son was asking a bunch of different questions. And I remember having a similar thought of there's no way I would be able to get us back to where we started. I just wouldn't. And my husband's like, sure, you just have to find your point of reference. What mm-hmm. do you picture, you know, is it going to be this tree? Is it going to be that? Are we going to make a point of reference? So I feel like when I was in that situation, I just kind of let my husband lead because that's his expertise and I trust him and I'm horrible with directions and point of reference. So 
I feel like sometimes in life, not that exact scenario, obviously, but and maybe it's not even my husband leading, but I almost don't trust myself mm-hmm. because yeah. I don't have my, what's what I go back to with what is true because I'm second guessing all the time. Mm-hmm. Yes, I feel that. I think everybody feels that. <laughs> That feels very familiar to me. So my entire hobby is just watching really bad TV. Okay. Like the the level of TV that I watch is like, if you look at the television, you try to find what is the least productive thing you can do with your brain. That's what I watch. Like Bravo is my life. Okay. So it's embarrassing actually. So I was watching this weird show one day about I think it was called Survivor Man. It was like a show about this guy who goes out into the woods on purpose and he gets really lost. And then the whole show is about him finding his way out. Okay. So it's fascinating, this show and watching it. And he explains to the audience that when someone gets very lost in the woods, the main goal is to be found, right? To be found. And the best way to be found is to stay in one place. But if you are lost in the woods, you can't stay in one place for long because you have to go out and get food and water and like whatever you need to survive. So this is a problem. You have to stay in one place and not stay in one place. Okay. So his solution was that if you're lost in the woods, you have to find a touch tree. And what a touch tree is, is it's like a huge recognizable tree that you can go out into the woods each day, but come back to over and over again, right? Because it's recognizable enough for you to find it. So you can go out and come back and go out and come back. And this perpetual returning means that you can never get too far gone. So what this made me think of was that in my life, I have been lost in the woods so many times. And Every time I think about those times in my life that I've been lost, I can trace it back to my making something outside of my deepest, truest self, my touch tree, like a person, a relationship, an identity, um, an old identity, uh, dogma, religion, outer ideas of success, something that I'm looking to outside of this to find my way home. And it never, ever works, right? It's always how we remain confused and lost. It's like this morning, This is I'm just thinking about this as I'm speaking. So Abby and I had this friend come over to help us do a workout this morning. We were do the, doing this crazy thing where we had to balance in front of each other, right? And she said, find a point of reference, find a steady point of ref- reference. Abby and I were looking at each other and we could not stay on our feet, right? Because I'm shaking, she's shaking, like, so we're both falling back and forth. And I'm like, of course, my ridiculous mind can't just be like, we're working out. So in my head, I'm like, this is a metaphor for relationships, right? Each person has to find their own point of reference, no matter how much in love with each other you are. Because when you look at each other to be the point of reference, you can't always study each other, right? That's not our job in a relationship. So the idea of the touch tree is that the only thing that's been consistently wise, consistently um, returned me to peace and truth is making my deepest self in the quiet, my touch tree. Okay. The one place that I can always find the truth, that I can always find my next right move is when I get quiet enough to turn off all the outer voices in the entire world. And I sit with myself in the stillness, right? And then when you do that, something, when you do that long enough, we just all have this inner voice, right? And we lose touch with it because number one, we're so used to pleasing other people. And number two, 
the voices on the outside are so loud. So when we practice returning to this thing inside of us, we find that thing that is always speaking to us. And some people call it God and some people call it spirit and some people call it intuition and some people call it gut instinct. It's, it doesn't matter what you call it. But everybody who I know who is living a unique shooting star of a life that they were meant to live is somebody who knows how to call it regardless of what they call it. How long did it take you to, to find that in the work? Because I don't think you someone can listen to this right now and think, oh, okay, I need to be my own point of reference. So that's what I'm going to start doing. Like, I don't think it just yeah. happens. So we're addicted to so many things, right? And, and, I, and I think when I started to become my point of reference was in sobriety, right? I mean, nobody who's numbing themselves out will ever become their own point of reference. Right. Because you're, what you're doing is you're literally numbing that voice. So that's the first step, right? If you're constantly numbing or deflecting, then, you know, that can take you freaking years to figure out how to stop doing that. Okay. But that's step one. And then it actually is really, really unbelievably easy. No, I shouldn't say it's easy. It's simple. It's actually not easy. Okay. Because I think that sitting with yourself in the stillness is the hardest thing to do in the world. That's why nobody does it. I mean, people start entire wars because they can't sit with themselves in the stillness, right? Like being alone with yourself, it's like we're those snow globes and we just keep ourselves shaken up, right? All the time because we don't want to see the thing, the little thing at the center of the snow globe because the thing at the center of the snow globe is the truth. And we get really still, that thing always pops up right? It's that thing that we have to heal from our past that we haven't faced. It's that person we have to have the conversation with. It's that addiction we have that we're, you know, pretending that we don't have. It's a, it's the scary, hard truth, which is why so few of us want to pretend that we don't know how to return to ourselves because it's super simple, but not easy. Gosh, 2020 with a pandemic, which we have no memo for at all whatsoever, but so many people were forced to sit with themselves and let the snow settle. And, you know, a lot of people either, yeah, were continued the numbing or they realized, okay, this is a time where I can maybe put in the work. But a lot, I feel like in our home, a lot of stuff came up because suddenly we were very busy, go, go, go. You know, not necessarily what I think the pandemic has offered my family, and I'll just share this because maybe it feels like our own family touch tree, but becoming more of a, a family-focused unit instead of, and I've heard Brene Brown talk about it, of which sobriety, now that I mentioned her name, it pops in my head too. She's, when you bring up sobriety, she's said before, I heard her um, Tim Ferriss's podcast saying that sobriety is her superpower. Yeah. So whatever you're numbing yourself with, maybe it's not alcohol, but once you get rid of that, you feel like your power's back. But, you know, she talked about kid-focused families, parent-focused families, and family focused. Mm. And, you know, for us, we had to get still, it caused a pandemic caused us to get still enough to realize we are not family focused, mm. not even really parent focused or kid focused. We were just like shifting, whichever needed to get done. Focus, outer focus, outer focus, just whatever way the wind blows, we're putting out fires all day. Mm -hmm. And now we've sat with it and I feel like our family globe has settled. Mm. We're like, well, shit, like we, we don't even know what we're do who we are, what are we doing? What, what, what do we want to be together? So that's, yeah. Okay. I kind of went off. I love that so. You're stuck in my head as you're talking of like, that's what's happened to our family. Our snow globe has settled and now we're trying to figure out what to do with what's been revealed. It's so good, sister, because that's what happens to all of us. And then, and then when you, when you, 
what you're talking about is slowing down enough to be intentional too. It's just like we end up just unintentional. Just whatever comes to us, we do. You know, it's like, and once we did, once we we don't take the time to stop and think, no, what do I want for this family? Like, not what does the world want for me, but what do I want for this family, right? Because if we don't stop and get intentional about it, the world will eat us up. The demands from the world will eat us up. And especially as parents, the world will tell us, oh, they have to be this, they have to be this, they have to be in 49 activities. They have to be doing like the things that, um, and we don't even stop to think, wait, is that success? Is that how we measure success? as a family. And I think you're right, this pandemic, all the hell and it has, I mean, the, the, the chaos it has wreaked. It is also forcing us all to ask ourselves, what do we want in the after? And I think people are going to have different priorities, I hope. And I think if we take the time to sit with it, that's what I need to work on is getting in touch with my, my touch tree. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Me instead of like everything else and trusting other people to guide me because I feel like I'll get myself lost. Right. So that's going to take work, which by the way, before we wrap this thing, before we get into some things that you're thankful for in a listener question, you mentioned Bravo and Nishashi B. My therapist has told me, has kindly informed me that that stuff for me is my self-care. Thank you to your therapist. I mission in the world because that's one of the things that actually I do. It, it just... It does that for me. Self-care looks different for so many different people. And self-care for me is Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. Listen, yes. And and you know what? It's just, I mean, my family makes fun of me to no end. Listen, I, like all day, all I do is like try to, you know, foster sisterhood and feminism. And then I watch the housewives tear each other up all night. But here's the thing. I don't have anything left. I quit drinking. I quit binging. I quit everything. I need something to turn this hamster wheel of a brain off at night and real housewives do it (laughs) all right so a lot of us are guilty of doing that whole last minute shopping thing when it comes to holidays like mother's day you might be in that position right now and that makes it challenging to find a great gift for mom but don't worry Macy's Gift Finder makes it incredibly fast and easy to find the right gift just in time for Mother's Day. So whether the mom in your life is a fashionista or maybe even a photographer or a fanatic about yoga, Macy's Gift Finder has got so many great gift ideas to make her feel special. Now, Mother's Day is May 12th, so make sure you make note of that. Don't have much time. That's okay. Macy's has got you covered. and You can shop by price. $25 and under or $100 and under. You can shop by category, fragrances, handbags, and more. Or they've got gift lists, like for the mom who has everything, gifts that are already wrapped and ready to be gifted, or gifts for grandma. Top gifts include Beats headphones, digital photo frame, Polaroid camera. That would be so awesome to receive. Or my personal favorite, man, I would love to get this as a gift, Samsung Smart TV The Frame. Go to Macy's.com slash gift finder. Again, it's pretty easy. Just head on over to Macy's.com slash gift finder for the perfect inspiration for Mother's Day. All right. So I've been saving on shopping this year by only buying new clothes when I've sold some clothes that I no longer wear. And what this has done is it's forced me to be super wise when I'm adding clothes back into my closet. I want to update my wardrobe for the long haul without spending a fortune. And that's where Quince comes into play. You can go see for yourself all the awesome stuff they have. 
uh, especially for summer right now, like European linen dresses and blouses and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, 14 karat gold jewelry, so much more. And if you're like me, you're like, hmm, this just seems too good to be true. Well, what Quince does is they partner directly with top factories and they cut out the cost of the middleman and they pass the savings on to us. So we are getting things for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. For example, I'm literally looking on their website right now at this open knit cover up maxi dress that'll be great for the summer, 100% organic cotton, and it's $49.90. It could retail for $148, so that's 66% savings. And with warm weather here, you need to check out Quince. All you got to do is go to quince.com slash Amy for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash Amy. You're going to get free shipping. Again, 365 day returns. That's quince.com slash Amy. Hey, it's Amy here to talk about the incredible work being done by St. Jude Children's Research Hospital and ask you today to join me in becoming a partner in hope. When you make a donation to St. Jude, you're helping an organization that has helped push the overall childhood cancer survival rate from 20% to more than 80%. And I can tell you from personal experience, that number and the hope that it brings is invaluable. What they are doing at St. Jude is making a huge difference. It is full of joy there, which a lot of families need at that time. They don't need to be worrying about travel, lodging, food, everything is paid for at St. Jude so that families can focus on their child that has cancer. Your support means families never receive a bill from St. Jude. It's only $19 a month. And when you sign up, you'll get the new This Shirt Saves Lives shirt. Join me in helping St. Jude in the fight against childhood cancer. Become a partner in hope at musicgives.org. That's musicgives.org. I don't want to waste my time taking vitamins that aren't really going to do much for me. Like, I want research. I want to know, like, hey, this is actually doing something for my body. And Ritual knows this. That's why they conducted the research. They've done clinical trials on their Essential for Women 18-plus multivitamin. The results... Well, it increased vitamin D levels by 43% and omega-3 DHA levels by 41% in just 12 weeks. And as a woman, I want healthy vitamin D levels and omega-3 levels. And all I got to do is take my Ritual Essential for Women 18 Plus Multivitamin every morning. I take them on an empty stomach, but sometimes if I forget, I may take them in the afternoon. It's really up to you when you want to take them. There's nine key nutrients in two delayed release capsules. And what the delay release capsules does for us is it optimizes our body's absorption of these nutrients. It's gentle on the empty stomach. Like I said, I can take it first thing in the morning and I'm totally fine. And with a minty essence in every bottle, it actually makes taking your vitamins enjoyable. No more shady business. Ritual is essential for women. 18 plus is a multivitamin that you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month at ritual.com slash four things. Start Ritual or add Essential for Women 18 Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash four things for 25% off. Here we go. Third thing. Uh, 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 Share with everyone your mom memo that you talked about in Untamed. Yeah. So, I mean, I think we get memos about everything, about every area of our life. And as women, the memos are strong, right? So the first thing we talked about, the memo would be you're supposed to be happy, right? You're supposed to feel happy. And the new memo is you're supposed to feel everything. Then parenting with motherhood. I mean, those memos are so strong and just like imprinted on our lives. When I was, what I wrote about what Untamed is about, when I was deciding whether to stay in a broken marriage 
or leave and pursue a new love. I just really had decided just to stay in my marriage and slowly die because I was so afraid of hurting my children, right? Because I had received the memo loud and clear that mothers do not do anything that would disturb or hurt their children. So one day I was looking at my middle daughter and I was watching her get ready and I had this thought, which is, oh my God, I am staying in this marriage for my little girl. But what I want this marriage for my little girl. And if I wouldn't want this marriage for her, then why am I modeling bad love and calling that good mothering? And the reason is because our parenting generation and and all of the motherhood generations before us received a memo that said that good mothering is about martyring yourself. The epitome of mothering is martyrdom, which is burying yourself, your feelings, your dreams, your ambitions, your hopes, all of it, and doing that in honor of your children, which is real, real hard legacy for children to live by, you know, to know that deep down that they never know their, their, their mothers. And to also know that if they one day become parents, that they too will have to slowly die for their children, right? Because if we hold up martyrdom as the epitome of motherhood, that is what they will be aiming for. That's when I realized that motherhood for me is not about showing my children how to slowly die. It's about showing my children how to bravely live. What my daughter needed was not for me to save her. What my daughter needed was to watch her mother save herself. Because our children will only, they'll only give themselves permission to live as fully as we give ourselves permission to live. So I realized that the, the old memo for, parent, for parenthood that's passed down to women, it, it, it's because of a patriarchal culture. So men are not taught to be martyrs, right? Men are taught to be conquerors. Women are taught to slowly disappear and call that love. I decided to reject that, to examine that, reject that idea completely and switch it to make an intentional memo for myself, right? That strong motherhood is about being a model, not a martyr, right? Because they will do what we allow ourselves to do. So, you know, at the end of the day, it's so fascinating, right? Because I was staying in that marriage to be a good mom. And then I decided, no, 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 she's watching me. I have to go because I'm a good mom. And if we don't examine these beliefs that are passed down to us, these memos, we will just keep disappearing in every avenue of our lives because the memo that women get in every single scenario as a partner, as a wife, as an employee, as an, every memo just says slowly disappear, accommodate, please get smaller and smaller and smaller so nobody else becomes uncomfortable. So the goal of untaming is to do what Whitman said, right? It's just to re-examine everything we've been taught in a book, in a school, in a religion, and dismiss whatever insults our own soul, which is what that old motherhood um, memo did for me. It insulted my soul. So I started over. Well, and for some people, your, yours was your marriage and the example you want to be for your daughter or for other people. There's different, a number of different things that could be that's not what they want to model or how they're martyring mm -hmm. career, staying home, any insert anything, but it's examining like, where have you laid yourself down? And what are you, they're watching us. Mm -hmm. right? And so many women will not tap into their own need to be fully alive. So you can't even say that to women. You have to say, okay, how fully do you want your daughter to, to live? However fully you want her to live, start doing it, right? The reason that you, the, the way you create children who are true to themselves, who honor their joy and their desire, who live fully are kids whose parents do that. And they pick up on everything. <laughs> 
and it's crazy too now as you, as you start to put in work if you're in any kind of therapy and you're going back to things you haven't thought of in years you think of things you didn't realize that you were picking up on as a child that literally affect me now as as I'm almost 40 years old and a mom and a wife and an employee and all the different things that I am doing that I soaked up I didn't even know I was soaking up and I kind of of your cheetah story too, which I think is a fascinating example analogy of we we're just trained to take a rat from around the cage, or you can share with people really quickly in case they haven't read it, which I want people to read the book. But the cheetah story is so great. And how do you think of these things? I'm like, God, you know, I need to be opening my eyes more. I need to like see life and how it's happening and examples because when you were there at the zoo and you, you brought away, and that's the gift of what of you and a lot of people like you, you have a gift of taking real life things where you see it and making it simple for us that are good at doing that. So share the cheetah story real quick. So, you know, when I was in that time period where I was trying to, where I was trying to figure out like something's off about my life, you know, like I'm, I've, I've done all the things I'm supposed to do that the world have promised me would make me so happy and fulfilled, right? Like I'm, I did it. I'm like a perfect mom, a perfect wife, a perfect whatever. Like, and I just am just restless and unfulfilled and all of it. And I was at this, I took the kids to the, this safari park and we went to this thing called the cheetah run and all the families were lined up and this zookeeper comes out and she's holding the leash of a black lab. So my first thought is if this lady tries to tell my kids that that's a cheetah, I'm getting my $7 back. Okay. That was my first thought. The zookeeper says, does this look like Tabitha the cheetah? And all the kids say, no. And she says, you're right. This is not Tabitha the cheetah. This is Minnie, Tabitha's best friend. And Tabitha was born into captivity, so we raised Minnie alongside Tabitha to help tame her, okay? And now everything that Minnie does, Tabitha wants to do. So first, Minnie the lab is going to run the cheetah run, and while Tabitha watches from that cage, she pointed to a cage, and then Tabitha will do the run. So we all watch Minnie the lab line up on the starting line, and there's this little Jeep thing, and it's got this dirty pink bunny attached to it. The Jeep takes off. Minnie the lab chases after the, the pink bunny and everybody claps. And then Tabitha comes out of her cage. Okay, so Tabitha is this like huge, scary, gorgeous, like muscles just rippling under her fur and she lines up at the starting line. The Jeep takes off and Tabitha, this unbelievably powerful creature, chases this dirty freaking pink bunny down this well-worn path that they have made for her while all the spectators clap. Tabitha crosses the finish line and the zookeeper throws her this like, looked like a Costco steak, right? <laughs> she just flops down and starts chewing it. Everybody's clapping. And I'm just watching this going, oh my God. I felt sick to my stomach. I was like, this, I am Tabitha. It's like if a, if a majestic, wild, powerful animal like a cheetah can be tamed into forgetting her wild, into forgetting who she is and into chasing dirty pink bunnies all day, and so can a woman, right? And so this is why women feel tired and overwhelmed and underwhelmed and restless because we're chasing some dirty pink bunnies that our culture put in front of us and said, chase these things, spend your entire life chasing these ideals and these expectations. This is who you are. This is what will make you happy. This is what will make you happy. You are supposed to do, and this is what is expected of you. And we do it. And, and people, bored spectators clap for us, right? 
And every once in a while, somebody throws us an old steak that's supposed to keep us happy. And all the while, we're thinking, God, something's off about my life. Like, I feel like I was meant to sleep under, like, star-filled skies. I feel like I was supposed to run and kill and hunt and blah, blah, blah. Like, we just have this thing inside of us that, just like a cheetah, even born into captivity, you know, they say that those animals who never see the wild, they never see the wild, they're, they're born into captivity, they still have their instincts, right? They still have their wild. And so I think that that wild is what is inside of us creating that longing, right? Creating that discontent. Okay, so we are big on gratitude here at the podcast and just trying to practice what we're thankful for. And so given this, the four things podcast, I often have guests share four things that they are thankful for. And also it helps us just get to know you or your current you or your day or what's going on. But it can be big things, small things, whatever things. Perfect. Well, while we were doing this podcast, like 15 minutes ago, I saw my kids walk through the front door. So they were at Craig's last week and they're back now. So that's just always feels really good. So I'm grateful that they're home. I'm grateful for my wife. I'm so grateful for Abby. She's just like, I'm sitting here thinking right now she's out there doing all of the things that need to be done for those kids. She's just stepmoms, man. I mean, they get a bad rap and I just, I don't think I've seen a scrappier, more selfless, holy love than step-parenting. I just think it's the most beautiful thing, so I'm grateful for that. If you had asked me a year ago what would be my ideal situation, it would be being able to do my work and without ever having to leave my house. And now that's what I do. So while there's many drawbacks to the pandemic that, you know, not really ever having to put on pants, but still having great conversations with smart people, that's something that I'm grateful for. And I'm just grateful that it's the weekend. Almost. It's almost the weekend. Almost. Yeah. I have a question from a listener too before we wrap, which I love all that, by the way. And even, you know, the stepmom thing, like my dad remarried after he, he left my mom for someone and they eventually ended up getting married. But I always, she was not my, she wasn't even my stepmom. I felt as though she was my dad's wife. So I think there's different categories. You either come in as the kids as the spouse of whomever, or you come in as, yeah, the stepmom or the, or even I've had some people on the podcast before refer to it as a bonus mom. That's what our kids call it. They're bonus mom. Yeah. Because it's more than that. And there's such a, they've taken on that role and it's, it deserves more than the word step. Yeah, that's right. That's awesome, because I definitely did not have that in my family. So this question is from Jennifer, and she said, what are your thoughts on regret? I know that she loves the lessons she learned, and of course her children that came from her marriage, but does she look back and regret not being true to herself? Does she believe in regrets or appreciating the lesson and moving on? Would she change anything from her past? Okay, I'll tell you this. Let me tell you what jumped out at, at me at, with that question, because I think it's, to me, it's it's not true to how I look at life, okay? So the, the part of that being, does she regret not being true to herself? That is such an interest. I don't, I don't look at a single moment of my life as not being true to myself. Maybe when I was drinking to the point of passing out every night, but like in my sober life. When I married Craig, I did that because I thought, this is right. This is what we're doing. Like, this is exactly where I should be. And then when the infidelity came, 
you know, so many people were just wanting me to leave right away. Like the right thing to do is just get out of there, be a good role model for your kids after infidelity, leave. So many people wanted me to stay forever. I knew like as a woman knows that there was still work to be done in that marriage. And whatever the knowing was inside of me wouldn't let me leave, right? I thought that I was staying to like earn our happily ever after, but in retrospect, I can see that I was staying um, so that we could part ways respectful of each other, right? The work we did during those times, not a moment of it was wasted. Like we went through the trenches together after that, right? We both grew up together after that. And then when I fell in love with Abby, God, being true to myself during that time meant honoring that love, but also going through the process of, you know, telling Craig and the kids so carefully and doing all of that um, with as much honor and grace as possible. So I think it's so funny because people, sometimes I'll read a review of the book and they'll be like, oh my God, you know, Untamed is like, she said something totally different about herself in Love Warrior. Or like she said something totally different about herself in Carry On Warrior. She's totally different now. And I'm like, isn't that the whole point of life? Like if I right now at 44 am saying the exact same things about myself that I was saying when I was 27, God help me. So I don't think of things as like, now I'm being true to myself and before I wasn't. I look back on myself the last 20 years and I'm like, damn girl, good job. All of those selves that you went through to get to this one. Regret, it doesn't make any, I can't get it to make sense in my mind. Like I change anything about the past and this moment is not here the way it is. Like it scares me to think of like if anything could have been different. Like, no, 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 I don't want anything different. And when people ask me like, is Abby your soulmate? Is Abby your soulmate? Yes, Abby is my soulmate now. But also Craig was a soulmate. A soulmate, anybody who is bringing you closer spiritually to the person that you were meant to be on this earth. And sometimes that work is hard and sometimes it's uncomfortable. But we were exactly who we needed to be for each other. So no, 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 no regrets. That's what I thought you were going to answer. So <laughs> I don't know exactly how, but I thought that there was, yes, there's these different stages and who you were at that time was you being true to yourself then. And, you know, we talk about as we, if we're not growing, then what are we doing? And also I've said things, you know, just last year, I'm like, who, what? I've grown since then and learned and try to do better. And Amy, sometimes I start a paragraph and by the end of the paragraph, I'm like, what was that crap I was saying five minutes ago? Like, no, no, no. We're, we're here to become truer and more beautiful versions of ourselves, right? So if we're not becoming something completely different than we were, I think one of the, that's one of the problems we have right now on this earth is that everybody's trying to hold so tight to ideology, right? To dogma. They're like ignoring growth and truth to hold on to these old, old ideas, I think it gets us in trouble. And I wonder if what that person was writing, sometimes I think it's the gay thing that people are, are hinting at because like, I wonder if she's thinking, oh, because she was gay the whole time and she wasn't, that could be what, what she's thinking, but that's just not how any of this works. It's like, <laughs> it's not like my whole life I've been like, oh my God, I'm in the closet. Like when I looked at Abby, I didn't, my first thought wasn't, oh my God, I'm gay. My thought was, oh my God, there's my person, right? It isn't like there was this like deep, dark secret I was hiding my whole life. You know, I think that we're getting away from those binary ideas, that often sexuality is a fluid thing that changes and can't be explained, right? But if, if, if I've been trying to do anything for the last 20 years, it's been to try to live as true to myself as I can. It just looks different at different parts of our lives, right? And that's things we don't stay the same, hopefully. If we're doing life right, we do not stay the same. 
it's important to remember, especially I, mean, I have teenagers to 60, I don't even know the oldest listener I have, but I'm just gauging who I know I communicate with. So get emails from in the 60s to teenagers. So all walks of life are listening. And I think that that's an important thing to remember no matter where you are. I mean, my dad, I'll say 73 probably, totally switched gears. And I was like, hallelujah, thank God. You finally, you know, done some work and turned a corner. It took him how long? So I just, yeah, I just wanted to be that encouragement to people that you can't, if you're listening to this right now, I don't want you to hear us talking about this and be like, oh, well, that ship has sailed for me. No, never too late. Never too, if you're still breathing, you're still breathing, still time. For learning and growing and unlearning. <laughs> but so, okay, well, thank you so much for joining us today and taking the time. I know that you are a very busy person, but Hopefully you get in some um, some good Bravo and whatnot this weekend. That's right, girl. Let's see. Four more hours. Four more hours. So Bravo. Thank you, Amy. Have a good weekend. All summer, the best time of the year usually doesn't come with a great deal. Soaring temperatures come with soaring prices. But what if there was another way? With IKEA, your summer plans can last longer than two weeks of vacation and be more affordable. At IKEA, everyone can have lounge chair access. No reservations needed. From affordable outdoor furniture to stylish accessories, they have all of the essentials that you need to soak up summer in style, no matter the size of your space. Start planning a better summer with IKEA. It's your outdoor dreams inside your budget. All right, this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth that no matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you and how you manage them can really make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through things. Now, BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com. BetterHelp.com. This festival and concert season will be all about the boots, and Tacova's is your stop before attending your next concert. All Tacova's boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tacova's has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink, and shop new styles. If you can't make it to a store, well, just go to tacovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. I'm Jordan Gonsalves, and I'm a journalist. Join me on my new podcast, But We Loved, coming May 15th where queer elders recount the amazing history they've lived through. In the middle of Wall Street, they stopped traffic. They were doing a die-in. And in the process, share little gems of wisdom for the next generation. The key is to understanding yourself, learning to love and embrace yourself. You can listen to But We Loved May 15th on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 